0: Okay, Joe, are we rolling?
1: We are rolling.
0: Fantastic.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome <laughs> Chelsea Handler.
0: Thank you, Joe.
1: <laughs> check one, check two. Oh. <laughs>
0: Honestly. Hi,
2: Chelsea. Stop it.
1: And, uh, here's your... He
2: is so hard up to be like. Here's your
1: script. I got it. All Thank
0: right. you.
2: Got have, it.
1: Have fun. Enjoy, you guys. I'll be right <laughs> over here.
0: Okay, thanks. Hi, guys. Hi. I like want to call him your pal Friday since he helped with setup up today. <laughs>
2: I know he is. He's my little, my girl Friday, honey. <laughs> uh. Good afternoon, good morning, and good evening. This is Chelsea Handler on the podcast called Dear Chelsea, and I'm here with my producer, Catherine. Hi, Hello. Catherine. Hi. How are you? Hi, I think after however many episodes of this podcast, I finally got an intro down that sounds respectable. It doesn't sound like me, but it sounds respectable. (laughs) I just want to start by saying that I am very weak today. I had food poisoning or a 24-hour virus. Oh, my God. I'm not sure because my friend texted me this morning saying she also has diarrhea now, but... We went to APRE, Joe and I, with some friends the other day. And then we came home. We got massages. I went to bed. And around 5 in the morning, it all hell broke loose. Oh, God. I was vomiting. And I had diarrhea. And it was brutal. And of course, (sighs) Joe was so ridiculously sweet that I just was like, oh, my God. Because I was like, who can I text for Diet Canada's dried ginger ale? That's all I wanted. You know, when you're that. Yeah. All I cared about was ginger ale. And I've been trying not to drink soda because I have this big photo shoot coming up or commercial shoot
0: but sometimes you just gotta like have the thing that like your mom gave you when you were sick for us it was uh sprite and orange juice sprite and orange juice together yeah together that was the thing it's like whenever i get that kind of sick i'm like i need sprite and orange juice although these days it's Lacroix and orange juice
2: Yeah, yeah. That's how I am with ginger ale. And it can't be regular ginger ale because the sugar leaves this weird taste in my mouth. It has to Uh be Diet Canada Dry, which, by the way, is my elixir for everything. (laughs) If I feel off, if I feel tired diet Canada dry is okay. I once called them and I was like I need to do a commercial for you guys <laughs> because I'm so passionate about your product and did you and I ended up doing a diet seven up commercial because right. they're owned by the same people and they're like we don't need a commercial for diet Canada dry <laughs> but we'll we'll pay you to do one for diet seven up and I was Great. like okay let's go but truth be told I prefer Canada dry over seven up oh so you heard goodness. it here first
0: it's a cure-all
2: yeah so I was laid out yesterday and I was just like and my it felt like every organ of my body was being attacked my kidneys my back I was just like, oh, this is so annoying. And then I took a what I thought was a Zofran, mm-hmm. which is an anti-nausea drug. I'm going to say, I have no idea what that, that is. That I travel with in case I get sick. Yeah. And I was like, Joe, please get me the Zofran. It's in the cabinet. And he went and got it. But I had mixed my Zofran <gasps> with this thing called New Vigil, which is a basically a drug for narcoleptics. It's for <laughs> combating jet lag when you travel overseas. And like- it's this like high level prescription. But it's basically like a very sophisticated Adderall. I was going to say you gave yourself uppers while you're trying to like rest. <laughs> so I fucking woke my ass up to be <laughs> sick and <laughs> nauseous for the no. next six hours. And luckily I threw that up too right away. Oh, and God. then once I took the Zofran, I was able to stop throwing up. It's kind of what they give you on safari in case you get, you know, mm-hmm. really sick or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I had all the medical tools. I have. I don't know who's been mixing my medication, but it sounds like <laughs> her name is M. A-B-E-L. So (laughs) when I get home the next week, I'm going to have a nice sit down with Mabel. I'm sure she has a lot to tell me about as well. I requested that Joe bring Bert and Bernice back, and she she said no.
0: (gasps) She put the kibosh on it? He left for three days to go into the States and come back here to
2: Whistler. And I said, okay, bring the dogs back. And Uh then he said, Mabel said no. Oh, my. She
0: didn't let him? Know. No. I've lost complete control of my oh own no. domestic situation. Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't know if this will help at all. But if you want, I can I can let you meet my daughter, who is here with me in the studio right now. Brad. Oh,
2: that will help.
0: I, I think it will. I think it will. Right now, she's actually, there's like a giant beanbag chair here at the office. And she makes Brad bring it down into the like studio so she can sit in it, even though it's like a giant, giant one. This oh. is Mimsy. What's she's her name? Mim- Mimsy. She is a brindle pug. Oh, she's a nugget. How old is she? She's six. She just. Oh, turned six.
2: she looks like a bitch. <laughs> yes. I like that. She
0: is very bratty. She like does whatever she wants. See,
2: she's already done. That's exactly like Bernice. I pick her up and then she's like, no, I was never interested in being picked up in the
0: first place. Please leave me alone. (laughs) That is Mimsy. Yeah. She will not listen to anything my husband says. Like she won't obey him until I look at her and I go in a serious voice. I have to go, Mimsy, obey. (laughs) And then she'll do whatever he asks, like putting on her harness or whatever. Yeah. So that's my daughter. Now you've met her. That's cute. Mimsy's cute. Oh, do
2: we have a podcast merch available
0: now? We will very soon. Oh, Dear Chelsea merch is going to be available very soon, everybody. Yes. And it's cute and it's going to be comfy. I made sure that we got like comfy shirts, comfy stuff. So cute. Okay, great. I love that for
2: for all our female and gay listeners.
0: Yes, exactly.
2: Although I... I got a couple of DMs from a couple of straight guys that want to be very pointed about the fact that they listen to the podcast and are straight. I'm like, what do you want, a fucking (laughs) medal?
0: Yes, they do. Yes, they do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Several, in fact. Okay, so yeah, let's move on to today's guest.
2: Uh, She has a new book. It's called Managing Expectations. It is available now for pre-order. It comes out in May. And she has her own podcast that I've done, called Mini Questions, which she asked the same seven questions to all her guests, and season two just premiered. So make sure you check that out. Please welcome a very good friend of mine, Mini Driver.
3: Hi, honey. How are you? I'm all right, darling. How are you? Happy Newish year. Where are you? I'm in Malibu. Oh, okay. Where, where are you? I'm in
2: Whistler, Canada.
3: Hmm. The Cedar Sky Highway. I love oh, that highway.
2: Oh, well, mm. I know you know that from your truck driving days. I do. Honk, honk! A lot of people don't know that about Mini Driver, but I do, and that's all that really matters. And that's what this podcast is all about: unveiling who was a truck driver and who wasn't. Mini, congratulations on your engagement! Oh, thanks, darling.
3: Yeah, thanks. Oh, very casual reaction. I'm not. I'm not engaged. My my boyfriend will literally die if he. I'm not engaged. It was.
2: What you're not supposed to say? Engaged, or are you not engaged?
3: No, I'm not engaged. Really? I'm not engaged. However, only because my boyfriend, he doesn't really want to get married because, as he said, "I love you." So why would I want to be in a thruple with the state of California? Uh huh. And I totally get that. So we're not engaged. We're just. I wore a diamond ring that I'd actually bought myself on my ring finger because I show up for myself every day. Oh, and if really I'm married to anyone, something. it's me. There
2: we go. There we go. I told Joe Coy, my boyfriend, that if he ever buys me a big fucking diamond ring, don't expect me to wear it. I told him yeah. we could be engaged and you can plan the wedding because I don't really care about that those kinds of things at all. And I know that his potential for actually planning a wedding is never going to happen. So if it's all on his plate, it won't come to fruition because he is such an in-the-moment person So you and I are kind of opposites. I don't want to be uh, engaged or publicly planning a wedding and you decided that you are going to marry yourself. So those are two different perspectives. I just want, I quite like a party.
3: I want a party. Well, who doesn't like a party, Minnie? Obviously. With dancing and toasts. But I like toasts. (laughs) I want people to make toasts about me and him.
2: And you want also one of those videos, like a great montage yeah. video yeah. of all the wonderful things yes. that you've ever experienced. And people saying yeah. amazing things about how yes. they've never seen two people more in love yes. than the two of you. Yes. 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 I get
3: that. I want, I want that and dancing and like those big fucking lanterns in trees outside and like yeah. a barbecue and long tables. I want that. I've seen it in like a Nancy Meyer fucking movie. That's what I want.
2: Yeah, well, good. I'm glad that you're able to visualize your
3: expectations. <laughs> I've got a mood board for the wedding I'm never going to have.
2: I want to, <laughs> I want to ask you about finding your true love after you lost your mom, because I think things like that happen in life all the time. When somebody kind of exits our life, someone comes into it, and a lot of mm-hmm. times, it, it for me, I know personally, there's a lot of my mother around with my, with my guy.
3: Hmm. You know, they actually, they knew each other and they had a a really amazing friendship. And she didn't, she didn't suffer too many of the men that I was with because she took it personally when they broke up with me or if I broke up with them. But she really, really loved Addison. They didn't know each other for long enough. But I do think that there is an exchange, that there is some sort of relay that happens when I think you're absolutely right. When someone leaves, something else comes in to fill that space. I think you just have to kind of be open and aware. And it's very difficult when you're grieving to allow that in.
2: Yeah. Have you had any of those experiences yet about your mom? Have you felt her around you? Have you felt like you've gotten little signs of her? I
3: have. I hear her. I think she co-opts my brain because I heard her say, I was having a conversation with her one day, I was missing her so much and... I don't know if these are psychotic breaks or part of the whole process, and I don't really care because I I could hear her voice talking to me. And at one point I said, am I making this up? Or is this you? And she was like, well, you know, of course it's me, but I don't have a brain anymore, so I'm having to use yours. And it was so exactly something that she would have said that I knew her sarcasm was a sign. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) And then we chatted. And now I chat, I do, I, I chat to her all the time, particularly in nature. I see her. Whenever I think about her, I see a single bird. It's really strange.
2: Yeah, I do that. I do that too. Whenever I see a single bird, I'm like, hi, mom. Always. Yeah.
3: It's really strange. And maybe that's... I don't really mind where that's created from, because it continues to make me feel connected to her. So I don't think it matters. I don't think there needs to be any kind of... No one needs to verify if this is true. It is true for us. It's just
2: kind of like what you believe in, it works for yeah. you. It doesn't have to be proven to be f- fact or fiction, right? It's like whatever the possibilities are, which means you're open. And as long as you're open, things will come to you. And who cares if they're real or not, you know?
3: I think it's so funny. We judge so much the the way in which everybody else passes life, the way that everybody else synthesizes it and that this, this – the way that we look for outside verification of what we fundamentally know to be true and then we don't we don't trust that and so then that leaks out into the rest of our lives that we don't trust this basic instinct that we have about what feels good what is righteous what is true for us that's actually any intention that I have about this new year is to insist on no outside verification
2: well, it's also funny because so many people we we don't know the answers to so many things, which people pretend are so black and white, like, no, there's no God, or there's God or the right. you know, it's like, first of all, nobody right. fucking knows if there's right. a God or not. Nobody has right. any proof of that except for your belief right. system and what you think you've personally experienced. So the idea that you have to have a definitive belief system to begin with is is silly right? The fact like, oh, they're religious. Like I have a friend, if anyone's religious, she just regards them because she thinks they're stupid. I'm like, well, okay, that's a little bit much. I mean, I also have a little bit of that, but not... And then people... Like the new thing is, you know, not to say you believe in a God, but there's something. It's like, well, that's a God. You know? <laughs> I believe in the universe. It's like, well, that's another word for God. Like we're all saying the same thing, but people have to be so black and white about it as if there's been proof about it. Either way, we don't know what happens when you die and nobody's ever going to find out until you die. And then it's probably still not going to be the news we're looking for. So why not just create your own reality of what you think is possible?
3: Yeah, it's weird. Dogma is absolutely shit as far as I can make out. And it really, I hate that it's got dog in it because I love dogs. It's absurd because it's like, if you got everybody to agree with you, it's sort of like, and then what? Like, so everybody agreed. What if everybody agreed on the same on the same thing? We'd find conflict elsewhere. Like it is hardwired into this human experience is contrast and conflict. I think yeah. it is it is part of this human experience and it's it's absurd. And the more that one can disengage from needing that or underwriting that. I do find myself stepping away more and more from people who are dogmatic in any kind of belief. Yes. They just put me off my dinner. Mm-hmm. I'm like I want to eat my steak and peas. I don't eat steak. I don't know why I said I know, I steak. I want to, to eat my baked you know potato. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I don't know why I said like, that. Why are you saying that? I don't eat steak. Like that. Uh, steak see, is out of style, quite frankly. Me, lots is out of stuff. has start. got to change, Chelsea. I'm so yeah. glad I'm on the phone with you because I just, lots <laughs> has got to change and it's got to change now. So fucking help me.
2: I mean, all of it is so, I mean, wait, back to your, I want to talk a little bit about your siblings and with your mother passing, because I found that to be such a great comfort having my brothers and sisters around and experiencing that kind of transitioning, you know, from life to whatever happens after life, you know, like together. And there were moments of hysterical laughter and moments of you know unbearable pain but i feel like without those moments my brother once said we were all in the hospice and my mom was on bed mm. and on her bed that's where you go to die, right? And my one brother just yeah. still didn't understand what was going on. And we were like, Roy, she's dying. Like, we're this is where we're taking her to die peacefully. And he's like, but what, what if she gets better? And we were Aww. just like, oh my God, we, we can't keep Aww. explaining this to you. <laughs> like, it's a wrap, <laughs> okay? Anyway, Aww. so we're all lying in these mats on these like cots that they had at this hospice. And I was with next to my one brother and my other brother and sister were across the room. And my other sister was on a chair. And my brother, who's a complete asshole, really sarcastic and thinks he's hysterical, goes, hey, Chelsea, because Shauna and Roy were like lying very close to each other, holding hands. And he goes, how long do you think Roy and Shoshana have been sleeping together? And uh, you just heard my sister across the room groan. She's like, Glenn, honestly, seriously, why would you even bring that into this space? And we were all laughing so hard. And it was such a funny moment because, you know, without those moments, it's just so painful you need you need that and you can only really be that way with with the people who knew it was like what it was like to grow up with your parents right
3: yeah I mean there are moments that are starting to happen but it was it's so weird is it was nine months ago we haven't had enough moments where we've laughed together We're still gingerly being able to talk about her in a because you know we're still dealing with the probate of her estate and selling her house and mm. all of this stuff like I that I'm hoping once these things are done will allow us to kind of commune about her in a way that is because there were certainly really amazing moments while she was dying just like you said we were sitting around watching her like she was a TV when she was dying and my aunt said she was like god i always I always thought that like If I was dying, having all these people who weren't dying standing around looking at me would really piss me off. And my mother was like, it does piss me off. (laughs) She was like, I am a TV, turn me off. This is really (laughs) annoying. And um, we're still laughing about these moments. I know it'll come. I know it's there. I know it's in escrow waiting for us, being able to laugh about it. But it's astonishing how grief... You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And then it just rises up and it fells you. It just it just literally brings you to your knees. Sometimes when you least expect it, I'm astonished by it. I'm I'm grateful to all the people who have witnessed that happening and not freaked out.
2: Yeah, that's so common. Also to be like, I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's over. It's over. I'm through it. I'm through it. And then you're like, no, oh no. It's like you don't. That's not how grief works. And we all and like for some reason and you know we believe like, okay, I've gotten through it. Like, why is that important to believe? So it's over, it's in the past. It's like, it's never gonna be in the past, I know. you know? It's another just like time construct that doesn't make any sense at all. It's emotions, it's heart, it's all those
3: feelings. Yeah, it's, I've got this birthday coming up and I don't, I've been having these existential dreams and feelings whilst awake. How can you have a birthday if the portal through which you came is gone? Like how it, it there's there's something that's been happening about this idea that without my mother there how how do I sort of exist? It's it's really strange. Like it's an absolute mind bend losing your mother. I, I I experienced grief with my father dying and huge loss, but not this existential stuff about my own mortality and about the impermanence of time. Yeah, I mean the impermanence of everything and the existence, the constant existence of time.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just think about how old we are now. You know, I was talking to my friend the other day. I'm like, I'm forty six like half forty six. I'm gonna be forty seven this year. My half my life is over. And she's like, You don't know that. I'm like, Oh, please, it's over. Like, come on. Like with the idea that, you know, you get to this age and you start to go, like, Oh, it could happen at any time. I could get sick, anything could happen. Like, and and then the idea of like you have to live every day, it's like like it's your last. I don't wanna fucking live every day like it's my last. That's exhausting too. You know? Like sometimes I do want to lie in bed and watch TV all day. I don't need to like be out there showing the world what I'm made of. So it's a, it's all these thoughts that you think about with your existence and how long you're going to be here for. and What what, what else you have left to say or do or what impact do you want to leave? You know, with you, you have a son. So it's even, you know, that's even a bigger yeah, thing. Yeah, but it's
3: all about, it's so interesting because this is my new obsession since mom died. Is this idea of like assigned meaning and meaning and what that is and what a meaningful life is. Yes, and the right. pressure that we put on ourselves or the pressure that other people put on us, of like what, what the fuck is that? And how could anyone describe what that meaning is, except us, except we who are in it. And if that is lying in bed, watching bad TV or good TV in a day, who says that isn't meaningful? Well, I think pretty much everybody thinks
2: that's not meaningful, but I don't think there's an argument there, but I would argue with, I would argue with like, you know, who, what's meaningful, like being a celebrity, being a well-known person, is that, is that supposed to be more valuable? Like, obviously, as you get older, you realize that how fickle that is, you know, and how silly that is, how silly it is to think that you have more value. I think like, okay. In my best, run of thoughts, I would think your value in my estimation would be what kind of impact you're having on every single person you're around, right? How much sunlight are you spreading and joy and happiness to others? Like what what's that? Or strength or inspiration, you know, maybe that's the most valuable things, the things that are not measurable, because it's clearly like all over the map, right? You want to have people leaving with like a better feeling for having seen or met you.
3: I feel like that's the most that you can really, I feel like that really is Everybody smiles when they remember my mother, uh-huh. every single person and the the people that have come out of the woodwork going, I sat next to your mother at a dinner in 1985 and I've got to tell you, it was one of the, you know, that, that's, yeah. that is the most and the best that we can hope for. But it's weird how maybe it's now that there is just so much information shared, this idea that if you don't have a private plane and that if you're not earning, you know, you don't have a hundred zeros after the amount that you make in your mm-hmm. life I mean I, I, I don't know like we're it's so it's become so disconnected what an idea of a successful life is yeah
2: right well Hollywood can do that to you you know that can make you very disconnected
3: yeah totally maybe that's why I am the way that I am <laughs>
2: A truck, An ex-truck driver is what you are, and that's what you... Did I tell you,
3: wait, did I tell you when Kate and I, my sister and I were driving down Sunset Boulevard and we saw this billboard, I always called it my billboard because when when Circle of Friends first came out, my friend took me there and he made me stand outside of his rabbit, his VW rabbit, and he was like, close your eyes. Okay, now look, and there was this, I was on a billboard, and it was exciting. So anyway, we were driving down Sunset, we see this billboard, and Kate looks at, there are three men on it, (laughs) and she went, she went oh, my God, we've slept with 100% of that billboard. <laughs> I died laughing. I was like, that is connection in Hollywood right
2: there. I miss your sister. I haven't seen her since COVID, obviously, because I haven't been over to London. But know, she and I had some doing... really fun nights together when I was I over know. there. I know we... she
3: would send you a huge – I've got to tell her that I was doing this. She would send you a huge hug. She's actually on the line eavesdropping, so you can just say hi to her. <laughs> What's up, Bates?
2: So we have callers that call in, and we give them life advice. And we kind of curate the episode to things that you might talk about publicly or have, and we just kind of give them feedback. And people are pretty kind of serious when they call in here, so get ready, sister. All right. That's what we're going to do today on Dear Chelsea. You're going to get right. advice from Minnie, Driver, from myself, and from my producer, Catherine.
0: Hi. And we're going to give it to you straight. Yes. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick ad break.
2: Hi, everybody. We're back from our break. Okay, I hope that was as gratifying for you as it was for
0: us. Wonderful. Well, we have some questions, Minnie and Chelsea. And our first one comes from Frustrated Stepmom. She says, Dear Chelsea, I'm 28 and my boyfriend, 29, have been together for two years. We moved fast, we were friends when we were younger, and have lived together almost the entire time. He has two daughters, age five and three. I'm very involved with them, picking them up from school and taking them there, and I absolutely adore them. The problem is, their mom raises them very differently than me and my boyfriend wish to. I obviously don't want to step on her toes at all, but it's very hard when she refuses to actively potty train them and feeds them McDonald's or whatever, and then they come here, and we struggle to get them to eat real food, and they've regressed on whatever we're working on. I know you're not a mom, but do you have any advice? P.S. I was an early childhood educator for five and a half years, so I do know a bit about kids, and all I want to do is help them. Sincerely, Frustrated Stepmom.
2: Oh, wow. Well, Minnie, Minnie is a mother. Minnie, would you like to take this first?
3: <laughs> Gosh. I mean, I don't envy you. I feel for you because you're also very young and your boyfriend had children very young. And it's so I'm imagining that the co-parent, the mother, is also very young. And when you're young, you don't like anybody telling you anything. All I can say is because my son, he lives with me But he goes to his father's and he has a relationship there. And weirdly, all you can really do, trying to get someone to do what you want them to do is an impossibility. It really is. Unless they want to do it, it's not going to happen. And all you're going to do is frustrate yourself. So it's, you might not want to hear it, but it really is. You maintain, you hold your course in your household and what the rules in your household are and how it runs and what happens there. And you do that gently and kindly with consistency and I think by creating that environment the children while they're being given an alternative experience in another household hopefully that consistency will bring them back to you but I don't you can't get her to stop feeding them McDonald's you can have conversations about it perhaps with her if she's open to that but because you can't change what she's doing, you can only carry on doing what you do with love and compassion. And I know it's really annoying when people say that, but it is true. You guys just do you and make it the place that they want to be. Make those the choices that they want to make. Raise them to be kids who so can decide what is good for them. And to choose, make good choices. That's what you can do. That'll probably feel better.
2: I think that's great advice. That's their mother. You can't tell her what to do. So you can only set the example for when they're with you. And kids respect rules, even when they don't like it and they rebel against it. It's like it sets you up for success in the long run. So you have your set of rules at your house and she does what she wants at her house. You can't control any of that. So, yeah, just give it your best shot. And be consistent and be and do your thing at your house and you're gonna reap the rewards, probably not as soon as you'd like, but eventually everything will come around into the right spot. Yeah, they don't get McDonald's when they're at your house. Sorry, you know, and you don't have to give in to them. You sound like you know what you're doing. So the only thing you just have to do is probably just refrain from thinking that you're going to have an impact on her.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's true for everything. Yeah, I
2: mean, the only way to ever influence anybody anyway is by setting your own example, not by telling them what to do. Nobody listens
0: to that. I mean, maybe some people do, but I haven't met those people yet.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, our next question comes from Taylor. Dear Chelsea, first off, I've read all of your books, and you're the first person I've been able to relate to after losing my brother. What a shitty thing to relate to someone for. But you're great. Anyways, I'm 25, engaged, living with my fiance's parents and starting a business. I've always wanted to own a food truck, which I've been working on opening since I graduated college in May of 2018. I feel like it's been the longest process to get this thing up and running with 1 million speed bumps, financial issues, timeline expectations, truck failures, food service regulations, and of course, COVID. It's still not open and was supposed to be by this past summer, and it's causing me a large amount of anxiety when it comes to other people asking me about it. I think my question is, how do you process the stress of people being so excited for you and your endeavors while also feeling disappointed or like you failed your own expectations? It's to the point where I don't even like going out for fear that someone will ask me, when will the food truck be up and running? It's almost done. I've been saying that for a year now, but it actually is, and at this point, it's not even exciting to me anymore. I think once it's open, I'll feel a ton better, but it's been weighing heavily on me. Taylor.
2: Hi, Taylor. Hi, Taylor. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. This is Minnie. She's here today as our special
1: guest. Hi there. Hello. Great to talk.
2: Okay. So you were planning on starting a food truck, right? And it hasn't come to fruition in the time. Is this because of COVID?
1: Yeah, just COVID. Lots of road bumps, but I definitely would give it all to COVID (laughs) for the most part.
2: Yeah. Well, at least you have a good excuse. So there's that. That's true. I would take this as a... I've done this before in my life, just so you know, like I've talked about something, talked about something, talked about something. And then when it didn't come to fruition in time, felt like an idiot because I... Was no longer interested in talking about it, was sick of everybody asking me questions, and then kind of had lost my, you know, oomph for it. So I have taken it as a lesson. For things in the future, first and foremost, you know, sometimes you don't need to advertise everything that's going on until it actually is close to (laughs) happening. And you're learning that lesson. So what's great about this is it's a huge opportunity for growth and learning because you've done this, you know, it's not a mistake, it's just something that you don't want to do again. So make a note to yourself that you're not going to. And in the interim, when people are asking you questions about it and blah blah blah, you can be completely honest. Like I feel like I just talked about it so much. I'm over it. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with being honest, and people always seem to have. Respect for that kind of integrity when you're talking about something. You don't have to lie or make up excuses. You just have to be direct and say, "Yeah, it's taken me longer than I thought. I was supposed to start a cannabis company five years ago, and it still has not happened." And I just yep. tell people like it's been a shit show. Just can't get it off the ground. <laughs> like every time something happens, something else happens, and we can't sign the paperwork. You know. But I, I I'm no longer embarrassed about it because I. I never was embarrassed about it because I kind of learned that lesson a long time ago. It's like I didn't overly promote something that I, and it's not my fault. So, you know, you have all of those things on your side. It's like, it's more a little, it's, it sounds like it's a little bit more about ego, you know, which is something that is easily kind of, it's, it's easy to get over.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I have been talking to people and when people do bring it up lately, I'm like, honestly, I'm just over talking about it it'll happen eventually. (laughs) Like, but for now, I just don't even want to talk about it. I'll be like, just stay tuned. And if I post about it, it's going to happen. If not. And what are you doing in the meantime? Oh, just anything and everything. Like after I got my degree, I didn't end up getting a job because I thought, you know, the truck would be up and running a lot sooner. COVID hit. So I just have a lot of like little odd jobs right now, but it should be up and running here soon. And Yeah, I just don't want to commit to something like a career right now, long term, while I'm working on this. I just want to focus on it and get it going. (laughs) Is it close to happening now? Yeah, but it feels like it's been close for a long time. But I think actually, it is close.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think if you start to believe that, and it will that will have a powerful effect on the outcome as well. Yeah. Minnie, do you have any words of uh, uh, wisdom in this situation?
3: (laughs) I know that you've wanted to open up a food truck for some time now. You know me and trucks, Chelsea. <laughs> you have the greatest reason in the world for telling people that the timeline, timelines for every single person in this world were shot to shit with COVID. I'm literally looking out at the ocean right now and there I'm looking at like three tankards, which are part of the supply chain, like just <sighs> hanging around waiting to go into the port of Los Angeles. So you're, you're not alone. And I'm, I'm sure that people are a lot more understanding. It's, it's probably the pressure that you put on yourself to go, God, I said this thing was happening and then there was a global pandemic and now it's not. <laughs> it's not happening on the same timeline. It's getting yeah. rid of the timeline, getting rid of the pressure and going, I want this thing to happen and I want it to happen now. If we could just say, I want this thing to happen and I'm going to keep focusing on how awesome it's going to be when it happens. I'm going to keep working on the details and stay out of the timeline. Mm. I. It's yeah. the it's the hardest thing to do, but it sometimes gives you relief to do that. Just trust that there's sometimes a different itinerary than the one that you have.
2: Exactly. That's good advice. Yeah. yeah. Your timelines are all in our, you know, why are we making these time constructs anyway? Just it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen, when it's right, and when it's going to be the most successful. And it's not far off, it sounds. So I think you're yeah. on the right keep track. Keep remembering
3: that. Just keep, yeah. just
0: keep, keep thinking that. <laughs> I mean, even in the best of times, especially when you're starting a business, you only have so much runway. I mean, I was an entrepreneur once upon a time, and it was like, whether it was financial runway or emotional runway or attention span runway, like you just only have so much. And and having COVID have dropped in your lap in the middle of that runway is super frustrating. So like what Chelsea mm-hmm. said, being honest and being like, it's super frustrating. We keep running into all these delays and it sucks. But like when it happens, I'm so excited. I think that's the best case scenario.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck to you and keep us uh, keep us posted to how that goes. Definitely.
1: Thank you, guys. you, Taylor.
3: Luck. Yeah, good luck.
1: All right. Bye.
3: Bye. Bye. I'm glad we were here to help her. I'm glad we were there to help her as well. <laughs> <laughs> Young people, I was remembering being young the other day and how much you just thought that it was an outrage when everything didn't come to you
2: mm. immediately
3: because now I just sit around being so grateful if anything actually shows up
2: yeah <laughs> if anything works and out And when you're young
0: everything is an emergency everything well like a few months feels like forever
3: when you're 25 mm-hmm. I know it does it does and I think I think it's it's okay young people shouldn't be thinking about what older people like it's it's such a different season. It's, I, it, it's so weird. I sound like, I sound like a crone now, now, now that I'm actually moving into that particular archetype. But it is, it is true. We're not supposed to be thinking about that when we're young. You, you're, you're meant to be burning through all of that youth, I guess.
2: Yeah, it'd be so fun though to go back to being oh. a young person with this mindset, you know? I
3: wish that could happen.
2: I know, I know. What's that quote? Youth is wasted on the young, which is so trite, a- but so true. It's, it's a true, it's, it's trite true. because it is true. All of those kind of, kinds of things. It's like, oh God, yeah, if I had this mindset. And then you meet, sometimes you meet younger people who have their shit so together. You're like, what? what's up with you? Where the fuck did you come from? I know. <laughs> that you're so sagacious and smart and know that you already know what many adults don't know
3: yet. I think my son is like that. I had him read something the other day. I was like, you've got to read this article because, you know, this is like from one of the great modern thinkers had written this piece. And I was like, Henry, you've just got to read this because, like, I can't stop thinking about it. And he read it and he was like, yeah, I know I call bullshit on that. And I was like, do you? And he's like, yeah, it just feels like bullshit to me. It just feels like a whole bunch of words and a, a whole lot of not doing. <laughs> that's
2: so funny. I love his I, ac- like, I love you doing his accent. That's mm-hmm. really something.
3: He's very sure. I, I love it when young people are sure, even yes. in their hubris. I like that it's like, no, this is the way that it's going to be. This is how it is. And that's bullshit. And this is cool.
2: Yeah. I like self-assuredness in any person. That's always <laughs> such an attractive quality. I,
3: I agree. Absolutely. But there's a complete difference between dogma and being self-assured. It's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a self-assured person can, I think, can be flexible and move with whatever they're presented with because they're just sure of who they are within whatever maelstrom they find themselves in. Maybe it's just my kid. Well, kids are pretty self-assured these days.
2: They're a little bit smarter than we were. They have a little bit more access to intellectual property and stupid properties. I mean, they also do sit on TikTok (laughs) and video games all
3: day. (laughs) Fuck.
2: Oh my God. My sister was here a couple weeks ago. And we're like all, we all had all gone skiing and everyone's lying on around in the living room. And I look at my sister who's 55 and she's like scrolling and I could see just by her eyes. I was like, what are you doing? Are you on Instagram? She's like, I'm on TikTok. I'm like, <laughs> Simone, get off TikTok right now.
0: Get off the TikTok. What do we have next, Catherine? Our next email comes from Miranda. From Sex and the City? I mean, I hope so but she's not on the phone, so... Somebody said to me the
2: other day, they go, how did Miranda become so stupid all of a sudden? I'm like, (laughs) why is
3: she so dumb? She was so smart. Exactly. I'm like, like,
2: yeah, all of a sudden she doesn't know anything about, you know, equality or social injustice. Like, that's a Kristen character trait, not a Miranda.
3: And what's up with her husband? Why do they do that to him? Why do they do that to him? Why do they make him like an 85-year-old? They made him like my grandpa. I know. Why do they do that? Like, he's literally like 56 or something. Like, it's absurd. I know. They're treating him like he's what? I can't hear
2: in the yeah. goddamn farmer's market. <laughs>
3: it's like, well, what are you doing? Oh, that's
2: so true. It's so funny. I haven't been yeah. able to access the most recent episodes because I'm in Canada. And there's like I one I think you're
3: one... all right. I think yeah, it's okay. Yeah, from what, what I'm don't... hearing,
2: <laughs> I, that's exactly right. It's like, yeah. what?
3: Super weird.
2: It's like a geriatric installment. It's super weird. It's like
3: they're 80. And they're not 80. They're these beautiful, gorgeous people. I, I don't get it. It's weird. I don't buy it. It's like they've been in a coma for, like, the entire time. It is. It was full. We, I just said <laughs> yeah. this with my best friend the other day. We were like, it's like they've rumple stilt skinned, <laughs> all of them. What is this? Oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. Podcast, technology, email, yeah, password. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah. what, what, where have you been the last 10 years? Like, <laughs> you were alive. You weren't, you weren't in a shoebox oh, in New York. Yeah. Uh-huh. The other
0: thing, I mean, tell me if this just, like, crushes your heart, but – they go to what they keep calling a comedy concert. <laughs> and I just I'm like, I mean what <laughs> like, why why is it called a comedy concert? That's, like I, a, that's a, what I'm saying. Like they like keep their like, show. Is that yes, what so they keep being like, We went to their comedy concert. And I'm like, what? Oh no one has ever god. said that phrase ever. Oh <laughs> my god, really it's funny. so
3: it's so true because Sarah Ramirez is just she's doing stand up, but they call it a comedy concert. Yeah. 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 Maybe that's because that's what old people call stand-up. Comedy concerts. <laughs> yes. A concert
2: of comedy. Yes. How boring. How weird. <sighs> I'm going to change my tour name uh, right. to Vaccinated and Horny, a comedy concert. <laughs> a COVID comedy concert. A
0: COVID comedy concert.
2: Do you want to get COVID? Come to my show. <laughs> oh, my God. We are going to take a quick break so uh, you can hear an ad and then we'll be right back.
0: Well, our next email does come from Miranda. Dear Chelsea, my name is Miranda and I'm 27 years old. My best friend and I have been inseparable since seventh grade. We've been through just about everything together. I was drawn to her big personality and how outspoken she is because I'm the opposite. However, we haven't talked since before Christmas over something very stupid. It was very frustrating because she was home for Christmas and didn't bother to see me, even though I did try to make plans because of the stupid disagreement. I think our friendship no longer serves us. I often get scolded by her or ignored. I've always just put up with how she treats me because I don't want to lose her. Family and friends say that's just how she is because of how easily she can be set off. I think there's an unspoken agreement that we're done. We have never gone this long without speaking, and I don't want to be mean or point out things in her character that I don't like. I'm afraid she'll do that to me if I try to reach out. But does our 15-year friendship deserve a formal breakup? best Miranda.
2: I mean, I've had a lot of friend breakups.
3: Me too. Yeah. And then I
2: got back together with them. Like,
3: it sometimes took a couple years.
2: I think sometimes you don't need a formal goodbye because then you're leaving it also open-ended for, you know, maybe six months or a year down the road for you guys to come together maybe again. And you might care a lot less about the things you care about right now. And that might be true for her as well. You know, it doesn't sound like there was some huge fissure. It sounds like you just have personality types and theres it's totally acceptable during a friendship or any relationship to kind of go your own ways for a little bit, each of you. And I think that's healthy and you should embrace that. And you can actually examine how different things are without her in your life, you know, if, it, if it's a positive impact or a negative impact, you know, if you look at the world a little bit more differently when you don't have her in your life. Or the opposite is true. It's a good, it's a good time for self-examination and friendship examination.
3: Yeah, definitely. Me and my best friend of like 20 years, we broke up for four years. And in that time, she got married and had a baby and <gasps> got divorced. Oh God. And actually, I was the perfect person at the end of this whole thing. I knew her so well. To be able to kind of counsel because I hadn't been in the drama of everything, and when we did come back together, it was like a whole new friendship. It was really interesting, oh wow. I think I think it was I think it's okay exactly as you said to go your separate ways for a while, and then you know you can find your way back. you know, I think you often do find your way back, did
2: you say you were counseling you were the perfect person to counsel her yeah. or she was the perfect person to counsel you.
3: Kind of both, but really about her husband and their divorce and being able to look at it in a much more sanguine way Mm. from not having been inside that relationship as I would have been if we'd been as joined at the hip as we had been.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's nice when you can come back together, right? Really nice. It's a perfect testament to like... Who knows what could have, what would have happened to your relationship had you been there with that husband? You know that could have been damaging upon no repair. Who knows what all the circumstances, the things that were prevented by allowing you guys to separate? I look at things a lot like that. Instead of being upset that they're over, being like, "This is obviously some sort of gift that I can't see yet," you mm-hmm. know, and to take time away from people is always a good thing. And it makes you really appreciate and. And understand if you are supposed to be friends with that person and be that close with that person. Yeah.
3: And it's, you know, it's significant breaking up with a friend it, in terms of you really have an opportunity to look at yourself and go, well, that wasn't a love affair, which can cloud one's judgment. But really, this was like a choice. of This is a friendship. What is it in me that is not working in this relationship anymore? Is there stuff that I might need to look at? Like, I think it offers a really a great opportunity for self-reflection. I think it's win-win. If you're not supposed to be friends with them, you won't. And if you are, then they'll come back or you'll come back together once you've, you know, had a bit of time apart. I think it's okay.
0: Yeah, I was talking to my mom the other day and we were talking about friendships that sort of come and go. And I mentioned, you know, some people come into your life for a while and then they they leave, you know? Maybe they're not meant to be for your whole life. And this stuck with me so much, but my mom said, most are like that. And yeah, it really sat with me because I was like, that's actually very true. There are so few friendships that we might have for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, and most of them are just meant to be there for a time. Hmm.
2: Yeah, that's a good way to look at things, you know, because it is, it is more unique to have most of your friendships aren't your lifelong friendships. A lot of them are. When you do have somebody from high school or from primary school or something, you know, that's... People are always like, oh, really? You're still mm-hmm. in touch with them? You know, my sister has a good group of girlfriends from college. I make friends every year. I make a new friend. You know, I'm always making new friends. So I have so many good girlfriends that are even recent friends for the last five or six years, ever since I started skiing, you know? So I just, I don't think there's one prescription for any of that. And you shouldn't ever hold yourself to anything like that because it's 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 demanding and people need to grow and evolve. Yeah. So there's that. There's that problem solved for you, I hope. Keep us (laughs) posted and let us know what happens with your girlfriend and if you guys, you
0: know, how you handle it. Okay, great. Dear Chelsea, this is from Yvonne. I've read and enjoyed some of Chelsea's books and I've been astounded with her strength to be exposed. I've written a book manuscript and have just started to send it out to literary agents. See, I've always been a writer. I'm astounded when I read stuff I wrote in high school or college because my ideas were so misinformed. I recognize that I wrote what I thought was true at the time, but I'm on a continuous path of growth and my opinions have evolved. How do you have the conviction to publish anything with the knowledge that you are also an evolving person? Sincerely, Yvonne. Gosh, well, actually, Minnie has a nightmare.
3: new book coming out in May, so I think oh, she can speak thanks, to this Yvonne. as well. Yeah. Thanks for that, because that's what keeps me up at night. That's what I wake up sweating in the middle of the night going, why am I putting this out here? Why am I doing this? Listen, that's, I did realize the other day that the, no book is ever finished. You know, you might put the final period, but it's mm-hmm. not finished ever. You just have to stop writing at some point. If you're a writer, you put stuff out into the world. If you create content, if you are an artist, whatever words you want to call it, you create stuff and you put it out into the world. And- That's just how it is. And I think, yes, you evolve and your ideas evolve. But, you know, as long as they're not deeply problematic, I think that's okay. I think one can look at stuff and go, you know what? I might not want to talk about that time I killed a horse. (laughs) You know, it's like you can write from the vantage point of where you are and stand in that truth and go, this might change. So then write another book. About how it's changed. But you can't not write because you're scared that time is gonna move on and it might make your stuff look old. I mean, you know, I don't think Dostoyevsky is turning in his grave or any dead author. So yeah. carry on.
2: And I think also writing something is being very much in the moment. You know, you're writing what your experiences up to right now. You're talk you're being reflective in this moment, you know, you it's not about the future, it's about now. So that's what one of the most freeing things I think about publishing a book is like, okay, I just put all of that out there, that's gone now. Now I, you know, the next project is going to be stuff that hasn't happened yet or stuff that I haven't contemplated yet. You know, I may revisit old things, but it's like it's kind of putting your stamp on a period of time. So I like to look at it that way. Like, here's my experience. I've documented it. It's out there. Don't challenge me on this because I've already expressed it. So it's out, you know, I already said this and I can always yeah. refer to it. So there's a lot of advantages to putting out your putting your stuff out there. There's a lot of, you know, advantages personally, professionally. Obviously, if you want to be a writer, you want to be published. You know, that's one of the goals of being a writer. Not everybody's goal, but, you know, many writers. Yeah, there's a huge advantage to documenting your experience here.
3: I agree.
0: And there you have it. There you go, and there you have it. <laughs> well, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with Minnie Driver.
2: Minnie and I just took a bath together and we are from on the Sea to Sky Highway actually because it's raining, so we just had to stand outside nude. We love to do that together as well.
3: Love it. Love it. Love
2: it. Anyway, we're back from the break.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Minnie, was there any advice that you'd like to ask for from Chelsea?
3: Oh Chelsea, yes. Is it gonna be marital advice? No. It's not. How do you regroup when you've been professionally punched in the face? Oh, that's a good question. Cause I've just been professionally punched in the face. And I'm I really would love to know what you do. Well, that's
2: ego. Mm. And so you have to understand that that's ego, right? And then you have to sit there and do the inside work of understanding that your value isn't contingent upon outside success, even though your career is and, you know, your public persona is, to a degree, it's not the whole sum of your parts. It's a part of your parts. So everyone anytime I get punched in the face, I look at it immediately like, oh my God, this is a huge learning opportunity. Huge, huge, Mm -hmm. huge, huge. Because your reaction is your strength of character, right? Mm -hmm. Because all of our reactions are like, it's a gut punch. It's a gut punch. But after you get past that, there Mm -hmm. are so many options to operate out of strength, out of character, and to understand that this is a, a tiny little thing in the impermanence of everything, not the biggest thing in a litany of things a small small thing and we've all been through it before so it's not a new thing it's part of the it's part of the process and it's not something that you should sit too long in your shit for I, personally in my opinion i would say that then you really are like you know if you allow that sinking feeling to take over that's all your ego cuz You can easily pick yourself up from that. You just give yourself a couple, you know, a shorter period of time, and then you're like, that's enough. I'm not going to cry in my own milk anymore. Like, that's a wrap on that. And then the next time it happens, you have an even stronger reaction. And, you know, we've all been through it. So
3: I don't know if that helps, but I know that. Yeah, it really, it really, it really does. I mean, it really is just the notion of like, what is the opportunity? I'm wildly vengeful in a really, really like, awful way like I want vengeance so badly and yet there's no elegant way to get vengeance in this in this situation but to see it to actually be less interested in what happened and more interested in how you can process it to become stronger on the other side of it is really really good advice because it's that's the judo move right it's take the stuff you take the energy that's thrown at you and you actually use it and you use it for your own good
2: Yeah. Because then nobody remembers even the falls. They just remember you getting back up like Thor. And you're like, "Mm -mm, I don't think so, buddy. That's
3: not my story. Yup. Yeah. And I mean, my mother would say that them swilling around in their own revolting behavior is really payment enough
2: yeah you can't spend time on thinking what you want to happen to other people <sighs> that's 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 a bad use of your time and then you're sending out bad vibes, bad vibes. I know it's un- it's like you know listen, we all do it, we have to because it's part of our psychology
3: but I think you give yourself an afternoon to do it and then you go that's it you yeah. can, you can sit around thinking about them slipping on the ice and then that's it
2: yeah, exactly, and then eventually you know you don't care about those people or what yeah, happens to them
3: exactly. thank you. I feel better. <laughs>
2: Well, that's what this is for. That's what we're all about here, Minnie. So I'm so glad you were able to join us today.
3: I really am very glad. It's why I came on so you'd answer my I I could get my question in before all the other people. You could have just called in like a regular caller. I could have just texted you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Minnie. I love you so much. I love you so much. Thank you so much. Such a great show. I can't wait to see you again. And I love doing your podcast too, by the way, you guys mini questions with mini driver. I did an episode which I enjoyed thoroughly and it's a great podcast. She asks everybody the same seven questions. I do.
3: Thanks, Chelsea.
0: You're welcome, honey.
2: I will speak to
3: you soon. Loads of love. Bye-bye.
2: Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: (laughs) See you. Oh, hey, Chelsea, let's not forget show dates.
2: Okay, yes, I have some stand-up dates coming up. I am going to be in Seattle, February 2nd and 3rd. I'm going to be in Portland, Oregon, February 4th. Two shows. There are tickets available for the second show. Then I'll be in Eugene, Oregon on February 5th. We added second shows to Kansas City, to Winnipeg, to Toronto, to Huntington, New York, to Port Chester, New York, to Montclair, New Jersey... And I'm also coming to Louisville, Kentucky, so Ooh. please mark that down. Oh, and we added a second show in Los Angeles and a second show in Santa Rosa. Louisville, Kentucky, if you want me to come back, then we need to sell out tickets, so buy them. <sighs> I think that's all I have to say for today. Oh, and I'm coming right. to Hawaii, July 1st Ooh. and 3rd, Honolulu, and then I'm coming to Maui. Yay.
0: Amazing. Hawaii. Yay. Do you have a question you want to ask Chelsea? To get some advice, write into Dear Chelsea Project at gmail.com.